Hello, Duck fans! Welcome to a Friday edition of the show. Sorry for the delay. There has been a delay for a couple of reasons. The first is that uh, I needed a couple of days to really work with this new homeschool lockdown schedule. Uh, something else that may be happening, and I really hope I'm coming through loud and clear, please hit me up on hashtags AskLodPod if this isn't coming through clear, but today I have had some major microphone issues, and for whatever reason, it's coming through very quiet. So I hope it comes out nice. I'm tired of messing with it. It's been over an hour and a half right now, and I just want to get this show out to you. A really great show, very excited, because we have the host of Locked on Auburn, Zach Blackerby, uh, in a discussion about the 2011 BCS Championship game. And you can always find Zach on Twitter, at ZBlackerby. And you can follow Locked on Auburn, at Locked on Auburn, on Twitter. And as usual, you can find me, Jordan Long, your host on Twitter, at the Dust Off Guy. And you can find the show at Locked On Ducks. There's also a Facebook page on Locked On Ducks. So just look for that on Facebook and you're going to find it. You'll be able to follow us if Twitter's not your jam. But uh, this was a really fun discussion. It started out with Zach wanting to do a show on the 2011 BCS championship game because he was doing, he was highlighting the. 2010 Auburn season, which was a remarkable season for them. I mean, it was remarkable for Oregon as well. But uh, the point is, is that the show is the interview is going to start off with he and I discussing some questions that he had about the game. And then the second part is going to transition into just us talking back and forth about it in general. Now, I'm super excited about a lot of things. The first thing is to be able to bring you this great interview. The second thing is, is that the Locked On NFL channel has completed its mock draft. And there's some really great content there. So I'm thinking for McCormick Mondays, we're going to be bringing you a review from an Oregon perspective of the Locked On NFL mock draft. I do encourage you to hop over after this show, of course, and listen to it because it's got some really good stuff. Uh, Brian and Matt are phenomenal. They have all the college hosts coming in and announcing the various uh, uh, draft prospects that go in this mock draft and some great input by the draft networks personnel, Trevor Sikama and uh, Benjamin Solak. Just, uh, just really great stuff. Hop over, give it a listen if you haven't already. Do take a second to click subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts or follow if you're on Spotify or I, I, like apparently 8% of you listen to me on your Apple iWatch, which is freaking awesome. I love that. And so subscribe that way if that's your jam. I suppose that's Apple Podcasts. But uh, there are even those of you who listen to me through your device. And remember, you can actually always get your device. Now, I call her the A word because if I say her name, then it's going to start playing music or it's going to start playing my podcast. But all you have to do is say, hey, A word. Play podcast, Locked On, and then name your favorite team. Obviously, other than the, the Oregon Ducks. But anyway, enough of that. I do want to get to the interview. I hope I'm coming through loud and clear. The interview itself is crisp, clear, loud. Uh, what I'm seeing on my visual feedback on the audio may lead me to believe that I could be really quiet. So you may have it turned up right now. But when we cut to the interview after the introduction... 
we're going to go ahead and be at normal volume. So just expect that. I'm going to, but just to let you know, I'm going to come down here. I'm going to uh, uh, turn the switch and we're going to be hearing the intro and then a great interview with Locked On Auburn about the 2011 BCS Championship game. You have too much to give to stay silent. That's what he said. That's what he believed. That's what he lived. The American in front, almost a cult in the United States. He's a sort of athletic beetle. Now wait a minute. It's official. Oregon is going to be in the BCS championship game. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. cool. All right. Well, let's just kind of keep this conversation going then. So, I mean, as far as Oregon's perception, you know, that month leading up into it, I mean, from an Auburn perspective, it was all about, okay, cool. We've got these two great offenses. You know, the Auburn side of it is down playing, you know, the Oregon side of it is like, well, you know, they're not in the SEC, you know, typical SEC fashion. But uh, we, we still thought it was going to be a shootout, right? I mean, no matter what. Uh, I mean, I, I assume you guys were in the same boat, right? Well, I think everybody was expecting a shootout, and we're going to get to what a, a, a defensive struggle it ended up being, and how the run the run game was shut down on both sides in a minute. But uh, this is the first time that an SEC team and a Pac-10 back then Pac-10 team played against each other during the BCS era. And uh, like you said, you know, there's all this buildup, and the SEC is used to playing some of these big name schools, but for us. It was like, oh man, you know, this is this is putting us in this category that we've never been in. It was the first time uh, in program history, first time in 117 years that we went undefeated, and it was our first BCS championship game. And you know, the it was I think it I think it was at TCU that was hoping that Oregon would uh, lose in in our Civil War game so that they could get in the BCS championship. It was. It was really down to the wire for us and, and a really important uh, moment in Oregon Ducks history. So in the weeks leading up to it, there was um, there were two Heisman finalists in this game. Obviously Cam, who won it, and then uh, LaMichael James on the Oregon side of it. I mean, did you guys think LaMichael James should have brought home the hardware? Well, first of all, I'm going to say LaMike James because before his uh, NFL career came to a unfortunate end he had a press conference and said look i've been called lamike james by my friends and my teammates all my life so uh i'm gonna call him lamike james you're you're gonna hear that in the, in this discussion but uh really lamike james is one of the best if not the best running back to play for oregon and remember we're really talking about uh let's see here we went on a run here where we had jay stew legarrett blunt lamike james kenyon barner d'anthony thomas Royce Freeman, like they t- they talk about how at this point Oregon was really known for screens and speed, but those are some talented running backs, and Lamike James certainly is in that conversation of greatest running backs in Oregon history. And I mean, Cam Newton made his case in the championship game, so I'm I'm not going to get too in the weeds on this, but we definitely thought Lamike James deserved the the Heisman that year for sure. 
Sorry, folks, it's quiet me again. Uh, Jordan Long, your host of Locked on Ducks. We're having a conversation with Zach Blackerby, the host of Locked on Auburn, talking about the 2011 BCS Championship game. We got to take a quick break, very quick. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Jordan Long, and we're talking with Zach Blackerby of Locked on Auburn. You can always find him at Z Blackerby. And... Please send in some comments. I, I'd love to hear what you think about the conversation using the hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtags AskLodPod. And let me know what you think. Do you want to hear more of this kind of crossover stuff? I mean, we are in the middle of a sports apocalypse, and perhaps we want to be revisiting a bunch of these uh, uh, games. I love it personally. And in fact, this is the Locked On College Networks greatest seasons and games of all time, which is why we're revisiting the 2011 BCS championship game and stay tuned because in later in the show, you're going to find out why this is was such an important game, or at least why I think it is. But anyway, I talk too much. The Bill Walton school of podcasting, my apologies back to Zach Blackerby and locked on Auburn with the 2011 BCS championship game. And as far as Oregon kind of gearing up for Cam Newton, I mean, what what was what were what was kind of going through your mind when uh, when all the pregame chatter was happening about that? Well, one thing that was uh, definitely on our minds is the fact that we have two really mobile quarterbacks here with Darren Thomas and Cam Newton, and I might get some heat for this, but I feel like Darren Thomas thinks he's Cam Newton, but he's in Matt Ryan's body, right? And I think that really came out in this game where Darren Thomas keeps trying to not not just make plays. It's not about making plays. It's about these running plays and these option plays where you're trying to convince the defense that it could be run. Now, Cam Newton certainly didn't play his best game, but I think you have two dynamic running quarterbacks going against each other. And we definitely saw it as, you know, this this testament to the way the game had evolved. And I think Auburn and Oregon had two very similar offenses built around quarterbacks who could, you know, run the ball and make things happen with their feet. Yeah, it seemed like the biggest offensive guy for Oregon in that game was, you may have to correct my, my pronunciation, but was it Maul? Is that right? Nine catches, so, 133 so yards? The way, the way I remember it is airmail. We're delivering airmail. Okay. So, Yeah. Yeah, that in fact, uh, that throw that it was like a fifty-plus yard bomb to mail, and then he took it for another thirty yards. I think was the, the uh, longest play of the game. But yeah, he was the biggest receiver. Turned out, you know, he didn't do a whole lot. He he was drafted into the United Football League, and then ended up being a UDFA uh, uh, for the Texans. And then Chip Kelly, when he went to the Eagles, brought him on board. And the only thing he ever did in the NFL was catch a touchdown in garbage time. So, you know, th this is a uh, huge upside, but obviously didn't amount to much. But we were definitely banking on this. And he was one of the players of the game for us. And as far as the the game that or the play from the game that Auburn fans remember the most was the Michael Dyer run at the end of the game where he wasn't down. <laughs> he didn't get ruled down. I, I, you know, he's kind of got up and was confused and started running. Uh what was going through Oregon fans' minds when when that play happened? Well, at the time, of course, we're all saying this is this is BS. He was down. 
um, I at the time we didn't think the the footage was uh, convincing, but going back and watching it, you know, yeah, his his knee didn't touch the ground, and the and the rules are the rules. Now they were basically behind the fifty yard line, and had he gotten down, we can do this whole historical counterfactual thing and say, okay, so if he's down right there, can we then prevent Auburn from getting the field goal? and go on into overtime or even get the ball back. And Oregon had shown the ability to, to shut down the Auburn offense uh, when necessary, especially in the red zone in this game. However, there were many times in this game where you could say that it hinged on a, on a single play. Um, I wish we had some footage of the the Auburn sideline, you know, I picture them sort of pointing to the end zone, like, get up, run, run, the play's still going, you know, and, and this is a, this is a play to the whistle. This is fundamentals. And did it tip the game? You know, in, in 2011, I would have said it, it oh, it tipped the game. This is why we lost. I can't believe this. But in retrospect, you know, I don't think this was the deciding factor in this game. And then two plays later, when Auburn gets down there, you know, he didn't quite score. Um, it was ruled a touchdown He uh, that Michael Dyer had scored, and then it got mm-hmm. called back. Um, did Oregon fans kind of want him to go ahead and get in just so they had a chance to get the ball back? Or did, would you, did, you know, what, what was going through your mind then? Well, at that point, you really, you really assumed that uh, Auburn was going to kick a field goal. I was a little surprised that y'all went for it. Uh, trying to punch it in, and I don't know if that was clock killing or what, but uh, y- you know, you you could have kicked the field goal instead of going for it. Now, when Dyer, when the play was called back, and you ha- we had another shot, of course you're hinging on a wing and a prayer at this point, and and I'm definitely going to go for that. But I think as much as you know, the story is we lost this thing with a field goal in the final seconds. I think this thing was decided when um, he he had that big you know uh, uh, play uh, uh, when he landed on Eddie Pleasant rather than actually being down. So after that, I, I mean the writing was on the wall. the The trajectory of Auburn football changed drastically after this. I mean Auburn had good teams, but even like when they went undefeated in 04, they didn't get a chance because of the USC and Texas. And thank goodness we got that game, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then like in '93, they went undefeated. They're only only team in the country to go undefeated, but they're on probation. And so it's like every time Auburn got close, something would happen. And then it finally happened, and it it allowed Auburn to say, "Okay, you know, cool." It kind of got the chip off the shoulder. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, we can win a national championship. What did this game mean to Oregon uh, moving forward? I mean, you guys, uh, the, you know, the Ducks have been relevant ever since. Then it seems like that really uh, a, a lot of uh, my listeners and Duck fans are going to say that. The Ducks were on the map in the mid-90s, but the way that the NFL evolved and people started, it kind of became the national pastime in the late 90s, I think that by this time, it was really Chip Kelly who put Oregon on the map. Now, I know there are Eagles fans and 49ers fans out there who are going to you know, poo-poo Chip Kelly and kind of what he brought to the game, but Oregon Ducks are going to be forever grateful for these years where he put us on the map. I mean, I remember reading a an entire spread across the New York Times uh, about that speed demon offense from Oregon. And, and that wasn't just part of it. I mean, in this game, you saw multiple 
trick plays. I mean, as far as Eagles fans are concerned, it's like, you know, Doug Peterson turned out to be the go for it on fourth down guy that they thought Chip Kelly was going to be because that's who he was in college. Not just the trick plays, but the cleverness and the fortitude, if you will, to be able to go for it when you should and, and sticking to that game. And the Oregon Ducks football program evolved over this time into kind of this national conversation. And I think it was 2014, we went to this playoff uh, system uh, and away from the the, the bowl game uh, system. And that was really when Oregon sort of made that statement. So if this, this might've been that seed thought for putting us in that conversation, because in the first playoff uh, BCS playoff, Oregon ended up being in that championship. And that was really Chip Kelly that ushered that in and, uh, and a heck of a lot, a heck of a lot of good players working during that time. But this was an evolution in Oregon football. And, you know, if, <laughs> if I can get into it for a second, sure. The, yeah. The, um, I think Mario Cristobal is taking Oregon to another level. He comes from, you know, that he was an offensive lineman in Miami, during their championship run and, you know, was a, a, a top recruiter for Alabama. And so he, I think what he brings to Oregon is he's trying to turn Oregon into a pro offense so they can attract more um, uh, top recruits, if you will, more elite recruits. Because during this time that we're talking about, 2010 to 2014, and the way the Oregon program evolved – it wasn't using a pro-style offense, even though I think that their up-tempo offense bled over into the NFL and kind of changed the way college programs work. I, I think that uh, they weren't able to continue to bring in the top talent because obviously the best skill players are going to want to play for uh, a pro-style offense because that translates so well for their future. Yes, it's a surprise break. It's me again, just uh, quiet me, letting you know that this is Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Jordan Long, and I'm going to come right back and tell you something really cool. So stay tuned for the third segment. To make a long story less long, uh, this was a transformative moment and one that I think Oregon Ducks fans are exceptionally proud of. Well, fantastic. I think that's all the quotes I need from you. Do you want anything from me? No, you know, I just... I love this game and we could just sit here and and talk back and forth about it for a while uh entirely up to you as far as how much time we have um i thought it was really interesting that this turned out to be a game where the run was neutralized right and it hinged on and, and i even made this comment uh uh i, I rewatched it uh yesterday and i made this comment to my buddy i said this game is like 80 percent normal plays and 10% blown plays and 10% yeah. elite plays. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very odd. And yeah, you talk about the run being shut down. I mean, Cam was able to do it through the air, 265. And then you know, Thomas had you know three uh, over 360 yards, which is crazy. But the thing that blows my mind looking back at this, and as I've kind of relived this season, uh, you know, doing all these interviews about all these games of the past uh, few days, has been like, how bad the defense was that year. Like, they would get a pick and like a, in a fourth quarter. But, I mean, they gave mm -hmm. up a ton of points. They gave up a ton of yards. And I just remember going into that game, it was just like, man, 
they're going to score like 60 points on us. I hope we score 61. <laughs> yeah. you, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I mean, we thought this was going to be uh, an exceptionally high-scoring game. And first of all, uh, and, and I, I don't know what, to be honest, I don't know what Auburn's run game was supposed to be like. And I know that Cam Newton probably drove a huge part of that. But Oregon's run game, for all the talk about their screens and the and the and the speed offense their run game was was exceptional and it was shut it was shut down during this game and you know too bad for chip kelly for not being able to make up for that yeah yeah i mean and just um i loved the whole like i loved the that oregon like faked the the pat on the first score And, you know, just kind of make the scoring weird for the rest of the game. And, like, as soon as that happens, like, oh, this is going to be a really weird game. And then it kind of wasn't. I mean, the final score is weird. I mean, 22-19, how does that even make sense? But, right. um, yeah, I mean, it was just... Well, yeah, uh, and there's that uh, LaMichael James getting tackled in the end zone for a safety, which negated that two-point conversion. I mean, the story of this game would have been... Chip Kelly and his aggressive, you know, cleverness going for a, a fake uh, PAT. But, you know, it wasn't because uh, we got tackled in the end zone, which is crazy because earlier in the game, Darren Thomas showed the wherewithal to be able to throw it from his own goal line. Mm-hmm. So why are we why are we risking this this handoff? And in fact, with this spread offense, there's been a lot of criticism about Oregon quarterbacks never going under center. And there were a few times in this game where where Darren Thomas was under center. And I'm going, why are you under center, you know, in your own end zone trying to hand it off to to LaMike James? Like <laughs> do what you did before. That's that's what that's what you should be known for. Right. Yeah, I mean, and just like the safety like that, I mean, it's like every now and then that defense that year would do something crazy, and I think Nick Fairley did that, and, you know, he was a first-round pick. But outside of, it's so weird because this 2010 Auburn team was such a, you know, as analytics become more and more of a thing, like it's such an anomaly as far as like yards per play that they did and, and all of that. When you look at, they had two guys. They had Cam on offense and they had Fairley on defense. And outside of that, like nobody else really made it in the league at all. And it's just um, it's just kind of mind blowing how good Cam was. Um, and you know, when people say, you know, is it like is it Tebow? Is it Johnny Football? Is it Cam? Like, who's the best college football player of all time? I'm like, I think it's Cam because of that reason. Absolutely, and I have to agree about the fact that these teams, for as good as they were, didn't produce that sort of next level. It's talent. weird. And, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even LaMike, I expected LaMichael's career, LaMike, excuse me, uh, I expected his career to be a lot more explosive in the league, and it just never really happened. Yeah, and, and, you know, I thought it was really interesting that this game hinged on things like uh, Fairley's penalty, where he put James's helmet in the dirt, and I was like, is that something he's known for? Or, like, what? because, man, yeah. for as effective as he was, the game could have turned on that penalty. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was pretty, um, yeah, I mean, he was a pretty edgy player, which is kind of the thing that Auburn fans are like, they want to, like, not be known for. You know, they want Auburn to be this crisp, you know, family-friendly type thing, and that was very, Nick Fairley is, I think, very uncharacteristic of of what Auburn Mm. typically is, but um, he did a little bit at the next level, too, um, 
you know, when he got drafted and, and you know, he was he was a really good player. And then I, I think he had some um, some off the field stuff that he was dealing with and some mental stuff that he was fighting. And so he just right. never never really never really panned out. And he went to the Lions, so you know how that is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, this was actually an interesting year for the Ducks because there were a lot of off the field issues. In fact, uh, Darren Thomas wasn't even the starting quarterback uh, at the beginning of the season. You know, we have Jeremiah. Amasoli, right? Yeah, he went to Ole Miss. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and so we and uh, LeGarrette Blunt was uh, taken out for the season for, for hitting that guy. And that's how LeMike James got to start. Mm-hmm. And then LeMike James actually ended up sitting out the first game of this year. I mean, for all his rushing records that he holds at Oregon, he actually sat out the whole first game because of off-field issues. So uh, it's an interesting time. It's an interesting time for college football because we were experiencing some major off-field issues this year with Chip Kelly, you know, sidelining guys and benching guys seemingly left and right. Yeah, then Cam had the whole thing. It was like, is he going to be eligible? Is he not? And so with the whole drama with Mississippi State, because, I mean, they came out and said – all right, well, we're going to start Clint Mosley, who was the backup right. that year, going into the SEC championship. And then, you know, the whole month leading up, I think it was like this this paranoia is like, is something going to drop? Because you know, the NCAA, I mean, they just set up camp in Auburn's athletic department for like two years. I never found anything, but still makes you nervous because you never know when that's going to drop. And I think if that would happen now, I think people would be like, oh, I, they don't really have any teeth. I don't think they're going to do anything. But right. at the time, it was interesting because you just didn't know. You just had no idea what was going to happen. Oh, you never know with the, with yeah, the NCAA. Um, so inconsistent. With, with, with Cam Newton, I noticed um, he was having some back issues even in this game. And, you know, whether or not this makes it into a show, I'm really curious, like, how do you think that has translated into his program, uh, pro game? Is this a guy who's back issues? Because I can't remember if he was in the accident after this, right? Uh, where yeah. he had the back surgery, but he was already having back problems. So, man, what, what's next for Cam Newton on, on every level? Yeah, he, I mean, Malzahn used him more like pretty much as a running back. Um, and so it was, um, it, it took a physical toll on his body, and you could do that for a year or so. And then when he went to the next level, I mean, Auburn fans were pretty surprised because his first two games of his NFL career, he threw for 400 yards. And we were like, oh. <laughs> oh, he can okay, throw. Okay, <laughs> cool, sweet. Um but yeah, I mean that that car accident. I think he played like the next week after that happened when he was with the Panthers, and then mm. um, it, it just seems like he was invincible, and then and then he wasn't. So I don't know. I mean, he's, he's still he's still a free agent, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like shocking with the QB carousel that's going on right now in in the NFL that that a guy like Cam Newton is sitting out there. I mean, maybe it's coronavirus and no one's had a chance to see him play yeah. since he's declared that he was healthy but it's crazy crazy times yeah man all right that's gonna do it for my wonderful amazing great conversation with zach blackerby the host of locked on auburn really enjoyed that i love the nfl talk i love this kind of revisiting y'all know how much i love history going back and revisiting the 2011 BCS Championship game. My name is Jordan Long, your host of Locked on Ducks. You can always follow me on Twitter, at the Dustoff Guy, and you can follow the show on Twitter, at Locked on Ducks. You can send in questions, comments, concerns, opinions, whatever you want, using the hashtags AskLodPod. 
That's hashtags AskLODPOD. And if Twitter's not your jam, go ahead and reach out to me on Facebook, on our Facebook page, Locked on Ducks. I'm also trying to get the Instagrams working. That's new to me, so soon to be Instagram. Got some great content coming next week. We're going to have uh, McCormick Mondays where we're discussing the Locked on NFL mock draft uh, first round and really going into the details, especially from an Oregon perspective and what it means for Justin Herbert to get drafted where he did in the Locked On NFL Draft. Thank you for tuning in. Love y'all. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And try to be as happy as you can be in these crazy times. Remember to get locked on while you're locked down. Love y'all. Have a great day. And go Ducks! (laughs) 